G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Some attention to someone described as one of Australia's earliest graffiti artists and it involved the word eternity. He's been described as an Aussie battler, a former drunk and a criminal who had an amazing encounter with God. Well, a new film coincides with a 90-year anniversary. It was 90 years ago when the iconic Sydney Harbour Bridge opened. And on the 14th of November, just coming up just two weeks away, it'll be the 90-year anniversary of the first time Arthur Stace began to write the word eternity on the streets of Sydney. He wrote the word countless times over 35 years as testimony to his faith in God. And since then, the legend of Arthur Stace has grown. You might remember the word eternity was emblazoned on the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the image seen around the world at the turn of the century, New Year's Eve 1999 and clicking over into 2000. Well, there's been books written about him, cafes named in honour of the word eternity, theatre productions, and now there's a new film about to be released. It's called Written in Chalk, The Echo of Arthur Stace. Richard Atia is executive producer with the Australian Television and Media Group. He's behind the film, and Richard is our guest. Richard, a special welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much for having us on board. Hey, Richard, the legend just continues to grow. Uh, Truly, Arthur Stace is one of Australia's cultural icons. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When you think of the people who sort of define Australia or iconic figures from our past, you think of people like Ned Kelly, you know, you think of um, some of the Bush Rangers, Ben Hall, you might think of Captain Cook or um, some of our Indigenous leaders. And then you, 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 you sort of don't think of this fellow called Arthur Stace. He sort of gets forgotten in the pages of, of history, sort of overlooked, but his work doesn't. And that's what makes it interesting is that you don't know who Arthur Stace is or you might not know, but you sort of know who Mr. Eternity is or you know of the Eternity story or something like that. That's what makes it interesting. Should we be uncomfortable uh, with the way we might delve a little bit deeper into Arthur Stace and recognise that you know he grew up in poverty and uh, that he came from a you know a background where ultimately I think he was uh, uh, you know on the lookout uh, for his sister's brothels uh, that he was in jail at age fifteen. There was some pretty significant things there in the development of a young man's character that sometimes people will be uncomfortable with as an Australian icon. You know, we, we've produced this film called Written in Chalk, The Echo of Arthur Stace, and what the film does is primarily look at the ongoing work or the impact that Arthur Stace still has today, 90 years since he first wrote Eternity, more than 50 years since he has passed away. But in the film, we speak with a historian who has a PhD in um, in the late 1800s into the early 1900s. 
And he makes a very clear point. He says, uh, following Arthur Stace's life gives us an insight into what Australia was like in the late 1900s and up to the mid-1950s, um, 1950 or so. And he says, when you look at Arthur Stace, he was born into an underprivileged home. His parents were addicted to the bottle and he was, uh, you know, he was fostered out at a very, very young age and went from home to home, very much a product of what was going to then be the Great Depression. And so when we look at Arthur Stace, yes, his life does make us feel a little bit, or his life story does make us feel uncomfortable because it parallels so much of our history going back to the late 1800s and into the 1900s. Unfortunately, there was poverty. Unfortunately, there was a lot of people not quite sure how to deal with you know, the, the developing what was going to be the Federation of Australia and a lot of the questions which existed at the time. People like Arthur Stace, unfortunately, were sort of pushed to the edge and their life experiences do mirror some of our less favourable, more uncomfortable parts of our history. So he has become a cultural icon. This is not just speculation or it's not even just aspiration. This is the case. This is Arthur Stace, Mr. Eternity. And as we reflect on the fact that he was an habitual criminal in his young years uh, and an alcoholic, as you say, you know, inherited some of this from his parents. If your parents are addicted to the bottle, you might feel like you're also addicted to the bottle as well. And then he signed up to become a soldier and uh, to defend Australia and to go off and fight in World War One. Oh, absolutely. It's an interesting one because we had to find out so many things about Arthur's life journey and life experience. Uh, and unfortunately, not everything makes the film. So there's quite a lot of information that sat on the cutting room floor. And see, Arthur Stace was a product of his time, and a lot of us do what we know. So we do the thing, you know, we, we follow the things that are modelled to us. Now, Arthur Stace, you know, he went. He was a World War One veteran, and he joined the army for one main reason, and it was because there was the assurance of food and the assurance of something to do. Prior to that, unfortunately for, for Arthur, he was going from bottle to bottle, gutter to gutter, prison cell to prison cell, doing whatever it took to get by. He, 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 um, he changed his details on the army uh, subscription forms, on the enlistment forms. He actually told a few fibs to make sure that he could get in because he knew that if he got in or when he got in, he was going to get regular food. He was going to get clothing. Sure, he might have a few bullets whizzing around, but you know what? That was better than the alternative. When we think about that, going to war and risking your life is better than the alternative. Man, oh man, that gives us that gives us an insight into Australia in the early 1900s. <laughs> Telling a few white lies to get enlisted, uh, that is a, certainly a common sort of a thing that you might hear about uh, back in those war, World War One, even World War Two days. Hey, so then he enlisted. Uh, he then began to suffer some recurring bouts of bronchitis and pleurisy. Uh, he came home shell-shocked. Uh, and uh, a medical discharge back in 1919. Uh, these are the sorts of things that you don't really anticipate in talking about an Australian hero, but hero status is not necessarily uh, just uh, because you won the VC on the battlefield. So there's a certain hero-ness that's coming that we, we, get, we get to in the next part of the story. But, but you know, he came back from World War I, uh, shell-shocked, and with these medical issues, he was in a pretty bad way, wasn't he? 
Oh, absolutely. Look, the, the, you, and you're spot on, Neil. When you think of um, Australian military heroes, you think of the, the great soldiers, you know, the ones who have come back with the military cross, who, you know, bravery awards and everything that goes with that. Arthur Stace was a stretcher bearer, and unfortunately he moved a lot of dead bodies around and bullets were flying and all this stuff was going on in Arthur's life. And um, you could only imagine some of the things that he saw. He comes back, and again, you're spot on. He just goes back to what he knows. Unfortunately, he goes back to the bottle. Unfortunately, his life goes back to what it was from gutter to gutter, prison cell to prison cell, doing whatever he could to, to get by. The difference this time being that he had the assurance of a military wage, right? So he had the, um, the pension, a military pension, that meant that there was at least something to live off. Now, back in Arthur's day, or for, to Arthur States, what that meant was a regular supply of alcohol. And there was a fellow around at the time called RBS Hammond, um, who now has since gone on to start Hammond Care. And he was the senior minister or the Anglican minister at St. Barney's on Broadway. And he made it his mission to reach out to as many men as possible in Sydney who were on the streets for whatever reason. And as uh, well, we, we could say as fate would have it, but, you know, being people of faith, we may say that there was some divine intervention. Arthur Stace ends up crossing paths with a fellow called RBS Hammond, who then goes on to not only change Arthur's life or be an instrumental figure, but change the city in which Arthur was living in as well. And I think for Sydney ciders, uh, the recognition that you have a suburb named Hammond Vale, uh, that's in honour of uh, Robert Hammond, a significant character in the history of Sydney. So uh, something a little extra there. His church was called uh, St Barnabas Church on Broadway, and that was where Arthur Stakes had a conversion experience, uh, came to Christ. But that wasn't necessarily the uh, the flashing lights experience. What came just a couple of years later with a visiting evangelist made all the difference. Uh, when John G. Ridley arrived, what's the story? Pick it up from here as we go with this one, Richard. Uh, this is one of my favourites, and thanks for the opportunity to share this one. There's a, the, I would say the expert in Australia on the Arthur Stace Mr. Eternity story is, a, is an author by the name of Roy Williams. And Roy is an absolute gem. I was at a QA and a recently with Roy. Um, so there was the, the fellow who wrote the book and myself and someone uh, who did a, a, quite a significant painting about eternity. We were all in, in, this, um, in this panel discussion. And the question uh, is asked is, in the, the course of telling the eternity story in your chosen field, what are some of the myths that had to be debunked? And, um, you know, one of those myths was that, well, the first one is Arthur Stace was illiterate. The, the, the fellow could read and write and more than just the word eternity. And so, you know, he's able to fill in his own welfare forms and what have you. And then the other one, well, there's, there's, there's quite a lot. But the other one is that um, he heard the word, um, he um, heard the echoes of eternity sermon from RBS Hammond, and on that day he stumbles in as a drunk and then walks out as an enlightened, reformed Christian, all on this one day. Now, it didn't quite work out that way. As the story goes, Arthur and his mates were in the streets on a cold winter's night in Sydney, and um, for some reason, Arthur was going from the CBD across to Uni Park, Uni, uh, the Sydney University, so there's a place called Uni Park. Now, on the way, 
St. Barnabas Church, or St. Barney's as it's known today, is, is it, you know, it's sort of, it's on the thoroughfare. So you need to go past it to get there. And there was a big sign. So uh, Robert Hammond used to do Wednesday night men's nights. And it was, a, I guess, a, an outreach to the uh, single and the, the homeless men of Sydney. And there was a promise that if you came in and listened to RBS Hammond preach, that you would have, a, or you would get a cup of tea and a rock cake. And so Arthur Stace and his mates stumble in, cold, on a cold winter's night in winter, they're freezing, and there's a warm cup of tea and a piece of rock cake that if they can just put up with this fella preaching for half an hour, I get something to eat and drink. Now on that night, RBS Hammond talks about life, he talks about purpose, he doesn't quite talk about eternity in the way that John Ridley does a couple of years later, but he says something to Arthur Stace that convicts him. And so as the story goes, Arthur, once this men's meeting is done, he heads on his way across Uni Park down to the Redfern area of Sydney. And under a big Morton Bay fig tree, he falls to his knees and asks Christ into his life there and then. And as Arthur says, and we do reference this in the film, he never picked up the bottle ever again. So on uh, the 30th of June in 1930, Arthur Stace um, gave his life, or, or should I say, asked uh, Jesus into his heart. And from that day on, the man was transformed, started down a Christian life and never returned to the bottle again. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. And uh, good to have you along with us for an interesting and important conversation about a Australian cultural icon. And our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest is Richard Atia. Richard is executive producer with the Australian Television and Media Group. This is the outfit behind a new film that's called Written in Chalk, The Echo of Arthur Stace. And before we go any further, let's take a call from Jason in Melbourne. Hello, Jason. Jason, welcome along. Hello, Richard and Neil. Let's say introduce me regarding Mr. Stace, who became a Christian after hearing the sermon by Hammond. And I can say to many more Australians who haven't become a Christian, you can do as he did and also as I did. Jason, wonderful, wonderful uh, encouragement there. Also, as you did, uh, we can do as Arthur Stace did. And uh, that moment of repentance, asking Christ to come into our lives, uh, wonderful, wonderful insight. Jason, thank you so much for your call. Uh, Richard, uh, this is something, this is about Arthur Stace uh, given the background and being raised in poverty, being uh, an alcoholic, uh, those sorts of challenging things, uh, there is a story that's a deeper one here that we are all a little bit like an Arthur Stace and we all have an opportunity to come to Christ. He's got his arms wide open waiting for all of us, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. There's no question. I mean, if you think of Arthur's life story, we're talking about Arthur's life story sort of paralleling Australian history to a degree. And when you think when, when hope came into Arthur's life, he grabbed that hope because he didn't have too much else to hang on to, right? The, the, the bottle was quickly running out. His friends were quickly moving on. He was always cold and hungry. And all of a sudden, this message of hope from Hammond comes along. Arthur finds his conversion experience. He's, he finds his way to, to Christ and um, his life, his heart is transformed. 
And then that then develops into a relationship, a friendship that he has with with Robert Hammond. Now, think about this for a moment. We have someone who was a homeless drunk, and that was how Arthur Arthur Stace saw himself, all of a sudden interacting with somebody who had the ear of premiers, of of government leaders, of of state ministers, um, and quite influential people in town. And Arthur and, uh, or I should say, Arthur Stace and Robert Hammond developed this friendship, almost like this trust, and um, Hammond at the time set up what he called Hammond Hotels, which was places where men could go and get a feed and a shave. And so over the course of the next two years, that was Arthur's journey, going from essentially being a resident in a Hammond Hotel to being a manager or a facilitator of one of these hotels. And then over the course of time, now Arthur being discipled by RBS Hammond, which sort of today is like saying, pick your favorite minister and um, and that person disciples you and sees you through the faith, right? And so Arthur, after a couple of years, gets wind. He hears that this, this Baptist preacher is going to the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle as part of a seven-day outreach. Now, this, this uh, Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle today is called the Eternity Playhouse Theatre. But Arthur gets wind that uh, John Ridley, a former World War I veteran, is now going to preach at the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle as part of a crusade. And I don't know what the conversation would have been between Stace and Hammond, but Stace ends up going along. And it turns out that on the final night of that crusade, which happened to be Monday the 14th of November 1932, John Ridley preaches a sermon called The Echoes of Eternity. And there would have been five or six hundred people in the room at that time. And one of those people was Mr. Eternity, Arthur Stace. And that was when Arthur Stace heard the message about the echoes of eternity. And John Ridley says, I wish that I could echo eternity across this city. And Arthur took that literally. He took it as a challenge. And then, you know, with the the conviction and the discipleship of, of Hammond and this conviction that fell upon him, after hearing the echoes of eternity, he goes on to write eternity on the streets more than 500,000 times over the next 35 years and really gives us something to talk about today. And, you know, when we say returned from World War One uh, with shell shock, uh, these days we use PTSD, post-traumatic uh, 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 Post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> disorder. That's yeah. sorry about that. Yes, a little blank uh, there. But so PTSD, uh, shell shock. It's interesting, isn't it, that Arthur Stace had PTSD. So did John G. Ridley. And I wonder whether there was this knitting of hearts and understanding where you've come from, because John G. Ridley had a little bit of a similar experience with World War I. I'm not sure how your your background is on Ridley, but uh, thoughts here on the fact that sometimes we relate to the preachers who've been through the same things we have. Yeah, mate, you know what? You, you see, you're not sure of my back. You're going to have to stop me because I've very quickly become a, a, a John Ridley fan uh, throughout this journey. Now, I, I attribute, and this is just me as the you know as a producer and as a director, I attribute the start of the eternity story to John Ridley because the whole thing starts with him sitting at whichever desk he sat at, wherever he wrote his sermons. He would have fallen on his knees and Ruth Ridley in the film, the the daughter of John Ridley, does talk about 
her father preaching the Echoes of Eternity sermon because he would have felt convicted to do so. He wouldn't have just did it just because, because he would have felt that that's the thing that God wanted him to talk about. Now, interestingly, John Ridley did go to World War I, um, and he did return as a shell-shocked or PCSD uh, veteran, and so did Arthur Stace. Prior to going to the war, the two came from completely different ends of town, literally the, you know, 20 kilometres apart geographically. But John Ridley was from, you know, from high society. He had all the privileges. He was being groomed to go to the best schools and become a, a Christian evangelist from long before World War I was even thought of, while Arthur Stace's story was quite different. However circumstances come about, both men end up going to World War I have completely different experiences. They come back as heroes. John Ridley, a celebrated hero, he comes back with you know, a medal, medals of honor, he comes back highly decorated. Arthur Stace comes back, well, you know, not too different to the way he left, you know, alone, impoverished and everything else. However, there was something that brought the two men together and it was more than just the Echoes of Eternity sermon on that night, on the 14th of November. It was a common life experience and Ruth Ridley, we, you know, we, we did want to unpack that a little bit. Ruth Ridley, the daughter of John Ridley, does talk about her father's ability to reach out to all people and how World War I didn't define him, but it was crucial in his story and his ability to relate to people. And so as a result of him going to World War I and seeing the best of the best and the worst of the worst that life has to offer, he was then able to then reach out to people who were, as, as Ruth Ridley said, people who were highbrow and people who were lowbrow and everything in between, everybody in between. Now, at the time, Arthur Stace would have been considered lowbrow. Over the course of the next 5, 10, 20 years, Arthur Stace was very much considered highbrow. But John Ridley, from a very highly educated background, and Arthur Stace from an impoverished background, the two men come together and World War I, their, their common experiences coming back as shell-shocked veterans was absolutely a, a, connect, uh, a point of connection for the two. And here we are today. If not for the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle, and if not for the Echoes of Eternity Sermon, if not for that out, Outreach Crusade, and if not um, uh, Arthur Stace going along on that particular night, would we have the Eternity Story? We ask that to the Director of Ministries at the Baptist Church, Steve Bartlett, and he says, I don't think so. You know, it's it's more than just coincidence, Neil. This is a this is a, a a story of significance. Richard, let's come back to that message, that sermon that was preached by John Ridley on that particular night, and the words "eternity, eternity" were a part of his passionate delivery. How do you reflect on that message? It was as it was preached. You know, when we when we uh, listen to some of the messages from preachers from the from the past. Uh, and John Ridley is is a classic example. It was, um, I wouldn't say it was black and white, but they were very clear and very direct. The gospel was very, very, uh, very clearly communicated. And it allowed for, uh, you know, it was relevant to the time in which they were preaching. And so John Ridley was this evangelist who traveled across all of Australia. He, he, he was in small outback towns and, and comfortable there just as often as he was in the big cities and as comfortable there sharing the gospel and um, you know, sharing the faith in relevant and meaningful ways to the people that he was talking to. As it relates to Sydney, there's a few things that John Ridley says in his Echo of Eternity sermon 
which uh, certainly have impacted me and our production crew. So the thing you've got to remember, when, when you make a film like this, which is, a, which is a cultural and historical film that's based on a Christian individual or a person of faith, in one way or another, something about the story just impacts you. It, it, it touches you. And the thing that, that I've commented on quite often with my editors and the post-production team has been about the, uh, the, the, the ferventness, uh, ferventness or the passion in which John Ridley went about to start this whole Echoes of Eternity sermon, the Eternity movement, if I, if I, call, it, if I call it that. Um, John Ridley talks about everybody needing to face eternity one day, and you can't shake it because it's written on your heart. And he really talks about this, this concept of something bigger and, and beyond us being so personal and so relevant that it exists inside us as well. Now that, if you think about that as a concept, eternity, something that always was, always is and, is and always will be, it's going on forever, and yet somewhere in that, there's something inside of us that resonates with this endlessness, with this ongoingness. Interesting. What is amazing, isn't it, uh, and why this can still happen today is that here you have someone who is exposed to a preacher and he's an evangelist and he's obviously passionate and he uses words in his sermon that somehow or other connect with the heart and it's like revelation from God. Uh, you could call it inspiration, but this sounds more to me like revelation. And so revelation from God can come to us as we're sitting in church this coming Sunday. Uh, we could all be exposed to that sort of opportunity, that sort of encounter. Oh, absolutely. And there's no question. I mean, if we think about the Arthur Stace story, he, he would have had two major moments, possibly more, but two that we know about. One is when he went into um, St. Barnabas Church for a cup of tea and a rock cake and heard uh, Robert Hammond. And the second one is when he would have gone into the Burton Street Baptist Tabernacle, now the Eternity Playhouse Theatre, and, uh, and, and heard um, John Ridley talking about the echoes of eternity. Now, those two moments, as far as we know, changed the course of Arthur Stace's life. The first one took him off the streets and then put him into church circles, into a into a a place where he was being discipled and mentored into the faith. And the second one was where it was almost like he had, um, he had matured in his faith to the point where, um, where he could now somehow repackage and reinterpret his understanding of the revelation in God's love and a way of communicating that to others. And so he then went about, um, I guess, trying to communicate his transformation, his heart change, uh, with, with the rest of the city in ways that he felt was relevant and meaningful. And to Arthur Stace, you know, it wasn't necessarily preaching from a pulpit at the front, though as part of, as part of, the, being, in, as part of being in the, the church at the Baptist um, Tabernacle, he did go and do street evangelism. He did go and, you know, with a megaphone and stand in, 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 in the corners of King's Cross and at Bondi and various other suburbs in Sydney, and he did do open-air evangelism, However, as we attribute it to Arthur Stace, the way he chose to express, um, I guess, his enlightenment, uh, his Christian faith, was to pick up a piece of chalk and write this one word on the streets over and over. And, you know, we couldn't ask Arthur Stace, why did you do it? But we did find a piece of audio from the 1960s. He passed away in 1967. And um, as far as we can tell, this was recorded in 1963. 
The interviewer asks him, why do you do this? And he says, because to let people know that there is an eternity to face to face is a wonderful thing to do. Now, if you think about that, eternity, you know, and Arthur's understanding is eternity is written on our hearts because, you know, well, according to John Ridley, God made us and he put us there. And um, Arthur now wants to communicate this to the world. And it's a, it's a wonderful thing to do. And for us, it's an absolute privilege to be, if I say chosen, I don't mean in a, in, a, in a pious way or any type of way that may not be relevant, but this project was not something that we just chose to do. I felt like this project came to us and we were convicted to do it. Um, and so to be in the position where we had the opportunity to meet the people who would allow us to tell the faith story as equally as, uh, as the non-faith story, as the impact of this from a Christian perspective and from a non-Christian perspective is an absolute privilege. To, to honour one of the heroes of the faith, Arthur Stace, is just an absolute privilege. Well, let's stay with the Christian perspective here because two years earlier, uh, there he was on his knees on a street in Redfern and having an encounter with God, asked Jesus into his life and from that point forward, uh, never picked up a bottle again as someone who was an alcoholic. Here we have two years later, you've got this revelation from God hearing this word eternity echoing in his own heart and the fruit of what happens beyond that revelation, getting up multiple mornings every week and in secret going out onto the footpaths in Sydney and writing this word eternity, which to him had so much meaning and began to have meaning for others too. Uh, That's a major commitment. It's a major fruit from the change that happens in your life, Richard. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, you talk about Christian conviction, uh, Neil, and it's uh, it, it's uh, it, Arthur's story epitomises what it means to be convicted by God or to be convicted by your faith, and uh, and then to execute that conviction. So, for thirty-five years, uh, from nineteen thirty-two to the day he passed away, nineteen sixty-seven, it's said that he wrote Eternity uh, on the streets in Parramatta and Liverpool the day before he passed away. <laughs> Think about that from nineteen thirty-two through nineteen sixty-seven. This uh, fellow writes eternity on the street more than half a million times. Now, as the, as the legend goes, he gets up at four o'clock in the morning or thereabouts, and he would write it at least at a least hundred times a day, if not more. Now, you know, I, I'm someone who, uh, who's been convicted. I feel I've had God conviction in my life, but um, I have not had a conviction that's got me up that early in the morning for such a long <laughs> period of time to do the same thing and to have that impact on my city. It's uh, it is quite a remarkable story, and the, the and the period of time, the period of time, Neil, from 1932 to 1967. If you think about all of the events in world history in that period of time, um, you know, we, we had World War Two coming, the, the the Japanese subs in Sydney Harbour, we had uh, the the Holden car came along, television came into homes, all this stuff is happening, you know, from in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and Arthur is getting up every single day and writing eternity on the streets of Sydney every single day. And I've got this picture in my head, and I don't know if it's accurate or it's just maybe a bit of, you know, creative license as we know when you make films, you sort of, you know, make things up and say, can we connect these dots? And you go and speak to the historians and say, is this accurate and can I get away? Is this fact or is it fiction in my mind? But I do have this picture in my head that Arthur was somewhere around the harbour writing eternity on the street as the Japanese subs were coming in. Now, I don't know if that happened, but I tell you what, 
when the subs did come in into Sydney Harbour, eternity was on the street somewhere, and Arthur did ride it somewhere on that day. And if you think about, and then when when the first person flicks television on in Australia. Arthur was up in the morning riding Eternity on the street. And when somebody clicked over the, the first uh, Holden car in Australia, on that day, Arthur Stace was riding Eternity on the street. It's a remarkable story of conviction, of, of, of passion, of perseverance. And, and it's why we talk about it today. It's why people who are Christians and non-Christians are so endearing to it. Not only is there the faith conviction, but there is absolutely, absolutely the story of Arthur Stace's perseverance that you cannot help but admire. The privilege that we have is to see people connect the dots, not necessarily connect the dots for them, but to see people connect the dots between Arthur Stace's perseverance and Arthur Stace's faith conviction. That is the beauty from our perspective. Richard, what do we make of the secretive nature of getting up early in the morning before anyone else is out and about and, uh, you know, even perhaps even before dawn, uh, you know, up an alleyway on a footpath and writing the word eternity and being elusive about that? Is it because uh, some people might have seen that as being something uh, political, even, even subversive? Uh, I know that uh, from my understanding, chalking was a way of getting messages out in those days. And some of those were political type messages like kill commos is one of those messages that I think was uh, what people used to write in chalk. And so here you have Arthur writing the word eternity. Anything that you've been able to reflect on the secretive nature of uh, doing this by stealth? Well, the thing is, Arthur Stace um, did not want the attention on himself. Um, and so we spoke with uh, Roy Williams, who's uh, probably, the, not probably, I, I would say, in my humble opinion, is the leading authority on the Arthur Stace Mr. Eternity story. We spoke with Ruth Ridley, who's the daughter of John Ridley, and also with Elizabeth Myers, who is the daughter of the minister who uh, discovered Arthur Stace's Mr. Eternity. And, you know, and they were very good friends. The, the two families were, were quite close to each other. And I asked all of them, why did Arthur get up and do this in the early hours of the morning? And they all said, they, don't, they didn't know that I asked each other. They didn't know what each other's answers were. But they all said, Arthur did not want the attention on himself. He wanted people to think about eternity and to divert the attention upwards. And so Arthur Stace doing it first thing in the morning when nobody knew who his identity was meant that the word became mysterious. And because it was mysterious, questions were being asked not only about the meaning of the word, not only about the placement and where it was written, but the why and, and why, why and who. And that all added to the mystery of the eternity story of is it Mr. Eternity? Is there a group of people? Is it a lady? What's the intention of this? Now, in the 1940s, the word starts to get the attention of the media, and the media start talking about this, this question mark of eternity. Who is doing it? Why are they doing it? Is it one person? Is it a group? And there were, there were loads of people claiming to be the eternity scribes, and then when they would go and, and you know, there, there was no lie detector test, but they would get them to, you know, go to an existing eternity and write an eternity next to it. And then there was some official there who said, no, you're not the real eternity scribe, and on it went. And so it wasn't until 1956 that the Arthur Stace identity was discovered. But, but in that time, the word had been stitched into the fabric of our city because of that, I don't want to say secretive nature, but because of the mystery of who was doing it and why were they doing it. 
And be, and so many people were fascinated. And because of that fascination, the word then becomes enshrined or embedded into our social and cultural story. It's part of the fabric of Sydney. So 35 years of writing the word eternity, and it took 27 years uh, being in secret, as you say, a mystery. And uh, from my information, uh, resolved when a, a minister, Reverend Lyle M. Thompson, who preached at the church where Arthur Stace worked as a caretaker, saw him take a piece of chalk from his pocket and write the word on the footpath. And uh, that somehow or other got filtered through into the media. And because there had been all of this mystery around, you know, who was writing this word eternity in such beautiful lettering, that the, the mystery was resolved and then it became a significant news story. And that's the way people get to know about these things. Oh, absolutely. And Arthur Stace went from being somebody who didn't want his identity to be known to somebody who became a celebrity and uh, uh, almost overnight, you know, because people were wondering who this Mr. Eternity was. Now, if you think about this, now, Arthur Stace didn't have any children, but he did marry uh, the love of his life, a lady called Pearl. And so there would have been at least two people who knew who Mr. Eternity was, Arthur and his wife. Um, and in the film, and I'd like to encourage all listeners to, to watch the film, uh, Elizabeth Myers is the daughter of the minister who discovered, uh, of Reverend Thompson, who discovered her. And she tells the story. Remember earlier today I talked about Arthur Stace going doing street evangelism on, on the corners in, in various suburbs of Sydney. Well, she tells the story of one day after church, uh, Ly, um, her father, Lyle Thompson, and um, Arthur Stace go across to Redfern to do some street evangelism. And as Lyle's getting out of the van, he notices that Arthur sort of takes off. And then he goes and sort of, he, it's almost, oh, I've got this picture in my head that Arthur is in some dark alley in Redfern somewhere. And then uh, Lyle's now, he's, he's walking after his, one of his mates to say, Arthur, what's going on? And as he, as he spots Arthur, he, that's where he sees Arthur on his knees writing Eternity. He says, Arthur, are you Mr. Eternity? And as the story goes, he says, guilty as charged, Your Honour, but you won't tell anybody, will you? And over the course of the next few years, um, Lyle, uh, uh, Reverend Thompson, he's acutely aware that if or when this story gets out, it is going to be a massive story and wonderful for Christian evangelism. However, Arthur Stace felt that his role was to not be the front person of this story, but let the message tell itself. Uh, as, as one thing leads to another and a couple some health issues and some promises between a couple of close friends, um, Arthur Stace agrees to go public with the, his Mr. Identity, uh, Mr. Eternity Identity, uh, because he felt that um, he, his friend was uh, with, with failing health was not going to live for too much longer, and he wanted to fulfil a promise to his friend. And so that was why he went public with his identity. It's a lovely story when you think of the the mateship and you think of everything at stake for Arthur, um, and and ultimately he does he you know he goes public with his identity secret identity of Mister Eternity because of his close connection with a very good friend who was also the minister of the church that he attended. Richard, in your film, you describe the writing of the Eternity word on the footpaths around Sydney as something like a bat signal, uh, or something you know. Where if, you're a, if you're a Batman fan, you appreciate what that means. There's something in the sky, and there's some meaning, and there's something deeper about that, and there's a, there's a warning, and there's an inspiration. All of that together. Oh, absolutely, yeah. We uh, we uh, speak to a lot of people, and one of our historians. 
I ask the pointed question to, to all the experts. You know, there's certain questions you ask to certain people because you just <clears throat> you just know they're the best people to answer. And so Max Burns, uh, one of our um, one of our experts, he says, um, eternity appeared like a bat signal. It gave people something to stop and look at. It, uh, look at. It gave them a warning. It gave them a message, and they didn't know where it came from. But for the people who scratched the surface and people who sort of went on a journey to understand what this was all about, they did find that there was maybe not a superhero at the end of it, but there was a message that led to something more significant than their everyday. And um, and so, you know, this, this bat signal, eternity appearing across Sydney like a bat signal, did give people something to not only stop and think about, but something to feel a little bit of reassurance, almost like there was a covering over the city whilst ever eternity existed. And for each of us today, no doubt, when we see that word eternity written just the way Arthur Stace would have written it, that can be for us something like a bat signal that takes us back to what sort of revelation we may have heard from God and need to continue to respond to. Hey, we have run out of time, but you've got some screening locations and dates that are set up for a number of special reasons because I mentioned the 90th anniversary uh, for the Sydney Harbour Bridge and... And the 90th anniversary since the first time Arthur Stace wrote that word eternity. Give us some insight here. You've got your film. November is huge for you, Richard, because this is the launch month for your new film. And you've got opportunities for people to see it, especially those in Sydney. Absolutely. The website is called writteninchalk.com. And I'd encourage people to go there. And on there, we have a screenings calendar. And there are a number of screenings that um, that have already happened and a, and a few that are happening in November. November 2020 is the 90-year anniversary of the Eternity Story. So we really want to celebrate that and empower as many people to talk about eternity and what it means um, to them personally and to share their eternity revelation or their eternity experience with their friends. On November 11, which is Remembrance Day, and uh, Saturday the 12th of November, there are two free open-air screenings in the CBD, right next to St Andrew's Cathedral and Town Hall, and it's a gift. It's our gift to the people of Sydney, to the people of Australia, to log on and, um, sorry, to, to come along and to watch this uh, documentary, Written in Chalk, The Echo of Arthur Stace, which not only talks about Arthur Stace and his conviction for writing Eternity, but it also talks about the way Eternity continues to exist. It parallels with the 90-year anniversary of the Sydney Harbour Bridge and the two words, uh, you know, the bridge and eternity coming together in the Millennium Fireworks and looks at how eternity has been used and embraced over the last 22 years as well. So for Sydney siders, uh, they'll be able to catch that free screening, uh, Sydney CBD at Town Hall Square, Friday 11th and Saturday the 12th of November. For listeners all around Australia listening into our conversation today, how are they going to best access uh, the opportunity to be able to see this new film, Richard? Yeah, the best thing to do is to jump on our website and subscribe to our mailing list. We've got people all across Australia who are talking about hosting screenings, and we'd like to empower as many churches and individuals across Australia to host a local screening. Uh, we've been very fortunate that, that we can make the film freely available, so there's no licence fee. You're just going to need to decide you would like to screen it, um, and then we'll work with you to, uh, to, to host that screening. But the best thing to do is to jump on our website and join our mailing list, and as screenings come along, we will let everybody in our mailing list know when the screenings are going to be and encourage people to come along as well. 
Well, that is wonderful encouragement, and uh, I'd encourage listeners to check out that website, writteninchalk.com, writteninchalk.com. Opportunities like this, uh, amazing ones, writteninchalk.com. The film is called Written in Chalk, The Echo of Arthur Stace, and Richard Atia is behind this film. Richard is executive producer with the Australian Television and Media Group. Richard, congratulations on the film. All the best with all of the screenings that are coming up during November and with success for this film, because this is going to be one of those that people will want to hearken back to, and it'll become a highlight for the years to come. So thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thank you so much for the opportunity to talk about this film and to talk about this endearing and wonderful story. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.